Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I can't thank you enough for continuing to make us a part of your golf content. And tonight I've got three great guests that uh, I'm very much looking forward to sharing with you. My first guest tonight is going to be Ted Purdy, and Ted had a stellar career at the University of Arizona. He was an academic champion award winner, finished second in the NCAA championships in 1995, dueled against Tiger Woods when Tiger was at Stanford, and Ted actually came away with a couple of W's in those matchups. Ted also won a few times out on tour, most notably the 2005 Byron Nelson Classic, and, and I had the privilege of spending some time with Ted here on the show back in February, and very much looking forward to having him back with me tonight. He'll join me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from our good friend Donnie Hammond. Donnie's birthday, my birthday, pretty close together. His birthday is April 1st, mine's the 19th, and uh, so we've got a lot in common. We're both closet space nuts. So I always like to kind of, you know, sneak in a, a space question or two when Donnie's a part of the show. So I'm going to try to do that. Plus, I'll get his thoughts on the new tour championship format for 2019 that was announced earlier today. Plus, his thoughts on the Ryder Cup as well. So looking forward to having Donnie as part of the show about a half an hour from now. Then I'll round out tonight's show with a visit from Dave Windsor. And Dave is a Class A PGA professional and the director of Adaptive Golf for the Georgia State Golf Association. Dave has put together some great programs to help our wounded service members either learn or relearn how to play golf. And uh, the impact that his program is having on lives is absolutely astounding. So really looking forward to, you know, talking with Dave, hearing about what his program does. And we have a couple other guys that have been a part of the show, as you all know. Uh, Joe Groman a couple of weeks ago has got a very similar adaptive program out in the West. Jim Estes does a, a wonderful one. You've heard me talking about for years, the Salute Military golf association that he started up there in maryland so looking forward to hearing about what dave is doing right down here in the state of georgia so a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of next on the t again thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour or so all right before we get started i want to remind you about our good friend matthew lawrence and his show backspin golf which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday, 8.03 a.m. tea time. It is broadcast on WLXG, ESPN Radio, AM 1300, up in Lexington, Kentucky. You can stream it live by going online to WLXG.com or doing what I did, which is download the WLXG app. Matthew does a great job, and it's a great way, folks, to kickstart your Sunday mornings. His equally fantastic twin brother, Mitchell, also has a great golf show that marries golf and travel. It's called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audio Boom or really anywhere you consume podcasts. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, travel all over the world. and They let you know about the great places to stay, play, and even eat while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audio Boom. 
And as you guys know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from Steve Rondonero about the great things they've got going on up there. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan Iron since the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron from them, either their Fort Worth, PTX, or new Edge iron, and go out on the range and compare it to what you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can get custom-made irons and wedges at BenHoganGolf.com. So go online to BenHoganGolf.com. They're going to build the clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the retail price. Again, their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories are available to you online at BenHoganGolf.com. We're also proud to be partnering with Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. Fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side-by-side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. And in addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logo apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a 10-cup ball marking gift, Chef's Cut Real Jerky, and professional photographs of your day. Go online to Caddy for a Cure, that's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com to learn more. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Ted Purdy. Let me remind you about Ted's background. He is from Phoenix, Arizona, played his college golf at the University of Arizona, where he was a four-time All-Pac-10 selection and a three-time NCAA All-District selection. He was a third-team All-American in 1995, and he, along with his teammates Jason Gore, Jim Furyk, and several others on that wonderful team, won the 1992 NCAA National Championship. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, he was a University of Arizona Academic Champion Award winner three years in a row from 1992 to 1994. In 1995, Ted finished runner-up at the NCAA championship, finishing one stroke behind Auburn's Chick Spratlin. Ted beat, uh, beat Tiger Woods by six strokes at the 96 Arizona Ping Invitational. He's played in more competitive rounds than anyone in Arizona golf history. He was inducted into the Wildcats Hall of Fame in 2005, turned pro in 96, in 97, he won the Asian Masters Championship and was named Rookie of the Year on the Asian PGA Tour. He won once so far on the Web.com Tour at the 2003 First Tee Arkansas Classic and once on the PGA Tour at the 2005 Byron Nelson Classic. And I'm excited he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Ted, thanks for coming back on the show. No, anytime. Thanks for the invite. So, Ted, I saw you played not all that long ago uh, at the uh, Barbasol Championship back in July. So does this mean we might see more of you in the 2019 season? Well, I hope so. Uh, when you play poorly, they uh, they don't let you play anymore on the PGA Tour. 
So um, I've got to earn, earn my fate, unfortunately. Um, I, I'm planning on playing uh, in October uh, the Sanderson Farm and hopefully get in the one or two in the, of the fall series events. Uh, so I'm still working at it. If Tiger's made his comeback, he's kind of inspired me, so hopefully I come back as well. There you go. So have you missed being out there on tour, Ted? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a PGA Tour, I I tell everybody. I'm I'm living the dream. I'm a PGA Tour winner, and uh, they can never take that away from me. And, um, yeah, being being on the PGA Tour is, uh, is, is the place to be for sure. And, Ted, I wanted to get your reaction to today's announcement regarding the changes to the FedEx Cup for next season. In particular, the change to a sort of a strokes play-based reward system where the FedEx Cup leader coming into the Tour Championship here at Eastlake is going to start the event 10 under par. Second place person will be at 8 under, third place 7 under, and, and so on. Do you think that's a better way to handle things in order to be sure that the winner of the Tour Championship also is the winner of the FedEx Cup? Um, I, I do just because since 2007, since they created the FedEx Cup, um, even the players don't understand it and don't understand the point system. I, I mean, we get points and, and the, the leaders would shuffle all day long. You're watching it on TV. You're watching tour championship on TV and, and one player is up and he's going to win the FedEx Cup and two old later, a totally different person just because of the complexity of the point system. The players didn't understand it. The, I don't think the spectators understood what was going on. Um, so you lost a lot of drama just because of the complexity of the, of the system. This is a, I think a brilliant way to make it, you know, it's just black and white on Thursday. On Thursday, the guy ahead has a 10 shot lead and, uh, let's see if he can hold on. Um, I think it's a great way to do it. Um, yeah, like it, the, the only concern that I have is sort of like what we're seeing right now where, you know, Bryson has got such a, a large, you know, points lead, if you will, right? He's got such a large mm-hmm. points lead. It seems like it it should be more than a two-stroke differential. I, You know, hey, if they came up with some mathematical equation and I, and I heard them talking today about how they sort of ran everything by guys at MIT to make sure that, you know, the equations and the, the formula seemed right. I would just wonder if they, if it could slide up and down a little bit so that if the guy coming in in first has done what Bryson's done, right? He's won two tournaments coming into this thing. And, you know, if, if it happened to be that, you know, someone got on a roll and won two or three tournaments and had a really large lead in the points, because I think this only counts, you know, this stroke play is only going to be for the tour championship, not for the other events in the playoff. But if a guy had a really huge lead, the seed would only be a two-stroke lead going in. doesn't seem quite as fair to me. but. I'm really interested to see what what you know what you and and the players think about how fair that is, and, and maybe maybe to your point, it, it, the upside is at least we can get our minds wrapped around how it works. Because if they didn't to this point, I could see where the guys would be like anything is better. Yeah, I mean, I I think anything is better to be honest with you, and the it'll I'm sure they'll adjust you know for the for the 2020 season. So if it, if it doesn't seem like the points are the way those should be, then I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll adjust again. But this is definitely a more, I think, a, a simpler concept where more people are going to understand it. The, the fans are going to probably embrace it more energetically. Like, um, I think it's, I think they had to do something because for the last 11 years, nobody really knew or could understand it. And I think, honestly, if you look back, there were players that had big leads going into the final tournament. 
and uh, the person who win the final tournament would win the FedEx Cup. So that's the system's worked that way for a long time. For the, at least the last eleven years, there have been people with big leads that have not won the FedEx Cup. And Ted, you know, they also had a, a ten million dollar bonus for the top ten finishers during the regular season. So you're going to have sort of a, a regular season champ. Um, and money's always, right? Always a great incentive. But do you think this, this sort of, you know, bonus, this $10 million bonus, $2 million to the guy who wins the regular season is going to get players to play in, in more events to try to get to that bonus? Or is, you know, sort of off the golf course, if you will, is trying to put together your schedule for the year and other commitments that you've got off the golf course. Does that make it challenging to try to put together even, add even one more event? to what you did the previous year? Well, I think mostly, guys, um, because of the, the new system, the new FedEx Cup, most guys play about the same amount of events. I mean, Tiger was always a rarity because he, he played the minimum. He played 15 events. But most guys pretty much played the 25 to 30 events a year. And um, to... I, I don't think it's going to change people's schedules. I don't think it's going to um, add – Tiger's probably not going to add tournaments to his schedule. I don't think it'll make much of a difference um, on people's schedule. tells you the, the the extra $10 million bonus tells you the, how the PGA Tour – how healthy the PGA Tour is and how, you know, professional golf in general is just uh, is doing amazing. So the fact that they keep coming up with ways to make the guys richer is uh, – is uh, why I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world and have been a part and, and still am a part of the PGA Tour. That's something else that uh, we have to look forward to are a whole bunch of rules changes that are going to go into effect in January. When you've looked over some of those new rules, anything come, you know, leap out at, at, leap out to you and say, you know what, thank God this thing is long overdue to change. Yeah, I think just in general, the anytime you decriminalize things, it makes the game more fun, more easier to understand. Um, nothing really jumps out to me, but uh, anytime we decriminalize the the system, the better. And Ted, one of one of the things that I've wondered, you know, to me, the the, the inability to repair a spike mark on a green is something that's never made any sense to me. Did, have you ever run into a situation college, you're out on tour, where a spike mark or a rule like that, you know, Im- negatively impacted you? Like, boy, if I could have fixed that spike mark, that putt might have gone in. Oh, yeah, we've all had that. I mean, you, you have these four or five footers, and that's where everybody walks around the hole. Um, nowadays, with the invention of the soft spike, uh, we don't have as many spike marks as we used to have, obviously. Um, they're still quite a few guys on the PGA Tour that wear spikes, but um, the greens now are so good, and the, the the way they maintain the greens and the advent of the soft spike, we don't have as many, as, as many spike marks, um, but I think everybody that's played the game has always has had one affect a, a short putt, because, it, you know, around the hole is where everybody walks, and as Dave Pelt said, he calls it the lumpy, the lumpy donut. You're just going to get you're going to have some bad luck like that. And it's great that we can now uh, hopefully repair that kind of, kind of a obstacle. Has the has the tour at all discouraged guys from wearing metal spikes? Or is it just sort of a grandfather and, hey, if you want to wear them, fine. 
If not, you know, you go, you obviously go the, the soft spike route. But I, w- I would, I would have thought by now the tour would have discouraged, you know, metal spikes. Uh, no, the tour doesn't discourage it. I think they're harder to find nowadays. <laughs> if you if you go into the shoe room and need some extra spikes, they might have to, they might have to get on eBay. But, um, but, but no, it doesn't. It, they don't discourage anything we do. Um, we're all independent contractors. You know, they'll, they'll make a rule, make sense, and we all have to abide by it, but, but they try to kind of stay about out of our way. If we think we make more birdies with, with metal spikes, then they'll let us wear them. They don't discourage that. Ted, switching gears a little bit, I was wondering, who, who are some of the guys out on tour that you really enjoy getting to, whether it's play a practice round with or even during a tournament for that matter? Who are some of the guys you really look forward to playing with? Well, I, you know, I'm one of the older guys, so um, <laughs> I, I'd say I'm one of the old fat guys now. But just the the game of golf, really, um, if you watch it on TV or you play golf with uh, with anybody, that's why it's it's such a great business tool. Um, there's a famous line somebody said that golf is the elevation of every occupation, and it's because you really get to know the person that you're playing with because of this crazy game we play and it causes emotions and it causes us stress and it, and how we, we uh, deal with that um, affects the people around us. And the, if you just were watching it on TV, you go, Hey, if Freddie couples looks like a really fun guy to play with. Well, by the way, he's a great guy to play with for two reasons. His tempo is so fluid and beautiful that you kind of absorb it through osmosis his his rhythm and uh um but he's also a great guy. He um is encouraging to the people he plays with. He's uh the fans absolutely adore him. Um Freddie would be the first guy you know I, I would say I'd like to, to play with. Um and obviously like Ernie Owls, same kind of thing for me. I like, love playing with Ernie because he's a great guy. He's, he's fun. He, uh, but it's his rhythm, his temperament, and his golf swing. When you when you're playing with um, somebody with that kind of um, cadence or tempo, it just it, it sure makes me play better. Um, uh, you know, another great guy just because I think he's great is Timmy Heron. Um, I grew up. I, was roommates with Jason Gore. I love playing with my old roommate, Jason Gore. And, um, anyway, so that's, that's kind of the guys I like to play with. And Ted, having played big time college golf and then obviously out on, you know, escalating through the different tours, the Asian tour, the web.com tour, and ultimately the PGA tour. How, how did you get used to playing in front of larger and larger and larger crowds? Because I know, you know, you played you know, against Tiger many times in college. You played obviously with him on the PGA tour. How did how did you get, you know, sort of acclimated to all of a sudden from tens of fans to hundreds of fans to thousands of fans to tens of thousands of fans lining every fairway, every tee box, every green you played? Kinda of, I hate to say it, we're kinda of like junkies. Um once you get the taste of that you, you just want it more and more, and um, and you want to get in the hunt more because uh, because of the energy that you're getting from the crowd. Um, you know, I used to say, you know, I play, you know, that I play in a major 
and I'd be at the British Open, and then the next week we'd we'd um, we'd be at the Canadian Open, for example. And you almost felt like there was a letdown at the Canadian Open because it's not the British Open, but the Canadian Open is still amazing. So, um, yeah, we just it's just a, a thing that we actually I actually just thrive on. I think Tiger thrives on it, obviously, and um, the other good players out there. If if we didn't, you'd probably drive you crazy, and that's why some guys just don't make it because there is a lot of attention and people don't like playing golf in front of people, other you know big crowds, and um, you know that's a fine line between. There's a lot of amazing golfers out there in the world, a lot of amazing young pros that are trying to make it, and um, and there's just something about the guys that do make it. They 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 thrive on the 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 bigger crowds and the more attention. At, at what point in your career, Ted, did, did you no longer, I mean, I, I guess lack of a better term or phrase, did you no longer notice them? Did it no longer become, you know, the idea that you got tens of thousands of eyes watching you and the noise mm-hmm. and the people talking? At what point did it sort of just drift off into the background? I think it happens pretty quick. I, I I think you get used to it. In fact, you, you, you hope you have more people around you because it means you're playing well. Um, you know, when you, when you're hitting a ball and honestly, when you're hitting a ball into a green that's surrounded with spectators, your ball can't get that far away from the green because it's going to hit somebody. Um, that's why I said that, you know, Tiger and, um, Arnold Palmer, man, they had, they had a big advantage because they, they hit it in the gallery and it, Potentially hit something in the head and get back in the fairway. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I say that in jest, but it is kind of true. Like, my ball, because nobody's watching me play, I'd hit it over the green and shoot it go 30, 40 yards. Tiger misses a green and it ends up, you know, he's still around the green because it hits somebody's foot. But, um, yeah, the more people around, the better. And it, you get over it pretty quick. I mean, Donnie Hammond, he'll tell you in a couple of minutes, he's the same thing. You get over it pretty quick. In fact, you want it. You you kind of you're hoping for it um, for a lot of reasons. And Ted, you you mentioned Mr. Palmer's name, and I was curious have have you had an opportunity to to sit down with some of the legends of the game, like a Mr. Palmer or, or Nicholas or a player, and 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 pick their brains, get some tips, maybe a playing lesson, something along those lines? Did you get an opportunity to be with some some of those guys? Yeah, all the above. Um, that's the thing about golf. It, it's not a, I mean, there's just not a lot of us out there. Um, you know, 125 a year, 150 guys a year. And if you play in, um, the memorial, Mr. Nicholas meets everybody and, um, and likes to sit down and talk to everybody. And he's always got, um, words of encouragement and, you know, wisdom that you can get from the front of Uh When I was or at Bay Hill and Arnie's tournament, um, a couple of years, Arnie asked me to to host the uh, pro-am party where him and I would get up on stage and I'd go through the, the rules and tell a joke or two. And and, um, and what was funny is uh, I had made... Up to that point, and up to the point of Arnie's tournament, I had made a million, over a million bucks that year. 
And uh, I got up on stage and I said, well, uh, thank you, Mr. Palmer, because in the last four or five months, I've made a million dollars and I surpassed your career earnings. Um, and it's just you know it's hard to believe that Arnold I I could uh, surpass Arnold Palmer's career earnings in a few months on the PGA Tour so yeah Um, pretty incredible yeah Ted a couple more before we let you go and I want to kind of go back into some of the things that uh, that you were able to be a part of earlier in your career. And, and you got to play in the Masters in 2006. So before we talk about the tournament proper, did you get an opportunity? Did you get to play in the Par 3 tournament that year? At the Masters? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I played in two Masters. Um, uh, I get played in the, you know, you, you do all the traditional things, the, pro, the Par 3 tournament. And, um I never played it very well in it, but, uh, yeah, I did it all. So, yeah, I was curious, like, you know, I've, I've walked that little par three, uh, course several times, but, you know, teeing it up on there, it just, it seems like, you know, obviously Augusta National is what it is and it's the dream for so many of us, but, uh, I think that little par three contest or the course, I should say, is something that is very underrated and underappreciated for the folks that don't get an opportunity to be out there and uh, and check out the par three on Wednesday. Just for a moment, what's it like playing that little course? Well, it's it's maintained at par with the rest of the course or with the big course. I mean, it is just perfect condition. The greens are absolutely perfect. They've got a lot of uh, you know water hazards and bunkers and um and the galleries are your the galleries on the part three tournament are basically it's up and close and personal and um there's a lot more interaction with the guys because they're not stressed out about being playing in the masters they're just playing this part three so everybody's signing autographs and having um joking with the crowd the crowds uh so as a spectator it's probably Probably from a fan engagement situation, it's probably uh, better than the real tournament. And Ted, in the regular tournament, what's it like stepping on the first tee on Thursday, hearing your name called, and then trying to hit that opening tee shot? So my first year, I was uh, was actually, I had the first tee time, and I think they do that to rookies on purpose. But, um, <laughs> but so... Uh, I've got the 8 o'clock tee time. Well, they open the gates at 8 o'clock. So I'm standing on the tee. I get my name. Well, it's right after the um, the big ceremony that where Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer hit the shot off the tee, and they open the gates at 8 o'clock. Well, they open those gates, and the, the fans are running, rushing to find their – because if they set their chairs down, for like on 18 green, if you set your chair down on 18 green – and leave, your chair will be there the rest of the day. Nobody moves it, nobody touches it. It's your chair. You got there first, and you can go up to the bathroom. Nobody's going to move it. You can go get a, a cheese sandwich, and your your chair's going to be there. So people at the Masters are running full sprint to find their, their spot on 16 green or 18 green or 13 around the par fives or whatever so that there's this mad dash to the, to, for the for the gallery members to get to their spots. Well, then they say, you know, Ted Purdy, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, play away. 
And um, it's just the greatest, you know, it's one of the greatest moments of, of any professional life, teeing off on the first tee at Augusta National and the Masters. Ted, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with the things that you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media. Well, I'm at uh, Ted Purdy on Twitter, and um, that's probably the easiest way. I tweet every once in a while, but not very often. I unfortunately don't have a lot going on, but hopefully we've got a lot to tweet about again in the in the fall. Well, Ted, I look forward to seeing your name up on leaderboards and following you in the 2019 wraparound season. I can't thank you enough for coming back and being part of the show tonight. I always have so much fun when I get the opportunity to spend some time with you. Well, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. All right, Ted, take care. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. That's Ted Purdy, and he spells his last name P-U-R-D-Y, so at Ted Purdy on Twitter, and uh, I highly encourage you, go look him up. Ted had as successful a college career as you're going to find. And again, went up against Tiger Woods head-to-head when uh, Tiger was at Stanford and uh, won a couple of those events. So Ted uh, had a great career there, obviously a member of the Wildcats Hall of Fame, and we certainly look forward to watching Ted out on tour this, uh, this coming season and keeping up to date with all the great things he's doing and having him back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Donnie Hammond, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. First, I have to tell you how excited I am about a new weapon I have in my golf bag. For the last several months, I've been playing with a new M4 driver from TaylorMade Golf, and if you haven't tried their new twist face technology, you're missing out. I don't know about you, but I don't hit it in the center of the face every single time. And after studying hundreds of thousands of swings from pros and amateurs like us, TaylorMade designed their new drivers to help protect us from our mishits and give us straighter distance. So whether your miss is on the low heel or the high toe, Twist Face brings the ball back to center, keeping the distance that we want and finding the fairway more often. I'm hitting more fairways than I ever have, and the new drivers are also the choice of some pretty good golfers you might recognize. Twist Face is played by Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, John Rahm, and Justin Rose, to name just a few, and dominating the top 10 out on tour. So if you haven't tried Twist Face, Go hit it and get fit. It's in the new M3 and M4 drivers and only from TaylorMade. I also want to give a shout out to our friends at Superspeed Golf. Now used by over half of the tour players around the world, Superspeed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% increase in swing speed. With sets for golfers of all ages and over one year of included video instruction, Superspeed offers a complete solution to help you start bombing it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgatoursuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now through September 30th, we're ha- they're having a promotion, $20 off purchases of $100 and $50 off purchases of $250 for online purchases only. Go online to PGATourSuperstore.com and take advantage of this sale today. Again, only lasting through September the 30th. Now back with me and making his seventh appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Donnie Hammond. Let me remind you about Donnie's background. He was born in Frederick, Maryland, which is in the northern part of Maryland near the Virginia and West Virginia border. 
played his college golf at Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sunbelt Championship, and as a senior, he won it by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to two Sunbelt Conference Championships. He's a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by being a medalist at the 1982 PGA Tour qualifying tournament at TPC Sawgrass, winning by a record 14 strokes. He played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1998, won twice on the regular tour at the 1986 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and the 1989 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record, having shot rounds of 65, 64, 65, 64 at Oak Hill. He won once on what was then the Buy.com Tour, now the Web.com Tour, at the 2000 Lakeland Classic. Donnie also won the 1982 Florida Open. Over the course of his career, he had 46 top 10 finishes, and he made the cut a whopping 70% of the time that he teed it up. And I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Donnie, how are you, my friend? Chris, doing well. Doing well. You're sounding good this evening. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Well, Donnie, I've seen you teeing it up a little lately out on the Champions Tour. Are we going to get to see you out there a little bit more during the 2019 season? Yeah, actually, I'm coming up to Raleigh here in a couple weeks, getting my game ready for that. Uh, the qualifier there, the SAS tournament. Love that area. Uh, it's a great tournament. Great food there, too. That's That's got to be the best uh, lunch on the Champions Tour. So I'm really going to try hard to make that one. And then uh, <laughs> going to give the tour school a try this year, the senior tour school. Both stages are in Florida, so I can play, you know, the first one's in Lakeland, and then get through that, and I'll be able to play the TPC Tampa for the finals. So, uh, you know, it's a tough one. You don't, they only give away five cards, but, uh, you know, you get the putter hot. Never know. Yeah, pulling hard for you. Hopefully we get the opportunity to follow those tournaments online. So uh, good luck. I'm pulling hard. I hope uh, things work out. Looking forward to having you back out on the Champions Tour next season, Donnie. Thank you. Donnie, I was talking with Ted Purdy about this earlier, and I want to get your reaction to today's announcement regarding the changes to the FedEx Cup for next season. The FedEx Cup leader is going to come into the Tour Championship at East Lake. You know, they're going to start. It's going to be, I guess, like a stroke play sort of thing, right? The event, the event leader is going to start out at 10 under par. The person in second place is going to be 8 under par. Third place at 7 under par and on down the line. What are your thoughts about the Tour Championship starting with a leaderboard setup like that? Well, it kind of fits in with sports a little bit in general. But, you know, to start the guy out in the lead, uh, I don't know. You know, they've been tweaking this, this, these finals and the format now for 10 years or so. Uh, I don't guess they seem to have gotten it where they want it, but, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it'll bring some interest into the tournament. And, you know, kind of like that race where you do with the kids, you know, swimming race, you start the, the little one out ahead, you know, give him like eight yards and then you let the older one go. And then by the time they make the run, they get back. So I guess that's the theory. Um, you know, with the lead, and it'll be interesting to see how it works out next year, but I think uh, it will be interesting, That that's for sure. Donnie, where I struggle with it, it seems a bit contrived to set it up that way, and I was talking about this with Ted Purdy earlier as well, and, and I guess what uh, I would be concerned with, if I'm Bryson DeChambeau, and I'm coming in with a large points lead, to think that that is now just a two-stroke lead, 
it seems like, you know, for all the work that I did, winning two tournaments and getting, you know, a several thousand point lead, that that's only now two strokes that could be gone in two holes. I don't know. I'm struggling with that. Do you really think this could work? I don't, I don't think it's going to be improvement on the way they have right now because, you know, when you come into the finals and there's five guys that could win, if the guy that's fourth or fifth wins the tournament, then he can win, he, he can win the FedEx Cup, basically. Uh, you know, that cuts it down pretty good. That makes it kind of an elimination where, you know, say Tiger wins, you know, he needs help from those first five guys. They have to finish, you know, sixth, eighth, twelfth or whatever, you know, for Tiger to be able to slide in. So, um, you know, if I had to vote between the two, I'd leave it like it is right now. I think they have it pretty fine tuned now. Uh, but, you know, they can always try it for a year, I guess. Donnie, they've also added a $10 million bonus for the guys who finish ranked in the top 10 during the regular season, sort of a regular season champion, if you will. The guy ranked number one is going to get a $2 million bonus and then all all the way down to number 10 who's going to get a half a million dollars. Will that get guys to play in more events next season? Or are there demands on the time of you guys out on tour? Is it too much to be able to figure out how to get in one or two more events, even with something like this bonus put in place? Now, I think, I think it, you could adjust the schedule a little bit toward the end of the year. You're probably not thinking about adding tournaments in the middle of the year or the beginning of the year because, you know, they, they just fit together for you. You know, you see two or three events that you like and then you see a week that you're not crazy about. That's the week you're taking off. And then there's two more, maybe take a week off and then a stretch, maybe a four in a row that you definitely want to play. So there's not a lot of time to really add tournaments during the year. As you get toward maybe three quarters of the way done, that's when you could maybe add a tournament if you're, you know, looking to maybe stay in the top 10 on that ranking. But the guys are making, you know, a lot of money to be able to add, you know, a little bit, a hundred thousand here or there at the end of the year to change your schedule that much. I don't think it'll, it'll help a whole lot. Donnie, we also have a lot of rules changes set to come into play in January. Any of them stick out to you that you thought to yourself, boy, this one was long overdue? Well, I like uh, I like being able to tap down certain spike marks, but I hope hopefully it doesn't slow the game down because you could get some really big spike marks, you know, on a four-footer that you would just, you know, you're looking at it close. It's not a ball mark. You know it's a spike mark, and if you roll it over that, you know, there's a good chance you're not going to make that putt, you know, from four feet maybe. So uh, I like that, but hopefully it's not where guys are walking 30 feet to the hole, tapping things down as they go. And then, you know, for TV, I don't think that would work out that, that well, uh, you know, lengthening the, the game another five minutes or so on TV. Uh, kind of interesting, though, some of the changes, leave, being able to leave the pin in, uh, different drops. Uh, I guess certain, certain of the changes will help speed up the game a little bit. I think they reduce the time you can look for a ball, isn't it, to three minutes? Yeah, that's probably good. If you, if you can't find it in three minutes, it's, it's probably gone. So, a friend of mine hit a tee shot, Chris, and he, uh, hit it off the tee, didn't have great eyesight, and he hits it out there, and he looks at the caddy, and he says, where is it? Caddy pulls the ball out of his pocket and says, it's right here, Larry. Gives it to him. <laughs> he didn't need the three minutes. It's gone. <laughs> That's great. 
And Donnie, did you ever have a crazy rule like the wind moving your ball on the green or being unable to fix a spike mark or anything like that that negatively impacted you? Well, funny you should mention that. The first year on tour, I was playing Bay Hill, and I'm playing with the great Jack Nicklaus and David Graham. And we get off the ninth green, and we're all in pretty good shape. Maybe 10th place, 15th place. We're all kind of right up there pretty good. And I think Jack went into the clubhouse to grab a little something. We're standing on the 10th tee, and David said, Donnie, let's just hit. I said, yeah, let's hit. I'm ready. So I hit. David Graham hit down the fairway. Jack comes out. He looks around, and David says, yes, Jack, we've hit. And Jack says, okay, and he hits down the middle. And we're walking down the fairway, and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my shoulder, and he said, and it's Jack. He said, Donnie, I know you guys were hitting to speed up play, but penalty if you hit out of turn. And I said, you're kidding. He said, yeah, we better check on that. Well, we ended up checking on it, and we found out that it is actually a two-stroke penalty if you do it knowingly. If we would have done it by accident, it, to my understanding, it wouldn't have been a penalty. But now, all of a sudden, the first guy that hits gets penalized two strokes. David didn't get penalized, just the first guy. So it was kind of a thing on TV. I think Lee Trevino was saying, how do they let this happen to this young rookie? And and here I am playing with Jack Nicklaus. So it was, um, you know, it's not Jack's fault, nobody's fault. I didn't. I certainly didn't know that rule being a rookie on tour. But uh, but it was two strokes, and then you know, kind of fell apart the last couple of holes, and it was uh, kind of a bad finish. So that was that was kind of one of the craziest things with rules I think that happened to me, and that was my first year. So why was it a two-stroke penalty on you, but not on David Graham? That's what I was wondering. I don't know. It's like the first guy that hits, it's a penalty. The second guy doesn't get penalized. I, I think they may have showed, showed it to me in the rule book, but I was half in shock uh, after everything, so I didn't, I, I didn't need to look at the rule book. Donnie, another change going into effect next season is the schedule, including the Players' Championship moving to March, the PGA Championship moves to May, and the Tour Championship is going to happen in mid-August. What are your thoughts on those tournaments being moved around? Well, the PGA is going to be, you know, that's going to be a big move going from the summer to earlier, and then also TPC coming in March because, you know, Florida, you're going to get some temperamental weather there in March. The winds are going to be blowing. Uh, you might, you're going to catch some cold weather in the morning. So that's going to toughen up that golf course, uh, there in March. Um, you know, and instead of being in May. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see how TPC plays. It'll probably be firmer, too, a little drier that time of year. Um, I think it'll be good to have the majors kind of grouped a little closer together, though, instead of kind of waiting to the end of the year for the PGA. So guys will be able to stay on their game and maybe be able to get a little more momentum, you know, going into all the big tournaments at the same time. And, Donnie, looking ahead to next week's Ryder Cup matches, what do you expect to see from the matches over in France? I said, Well, I've seen some of the big bleachers that they have there, the structures that are built, especially the one on the first tee, and there's going to be some massive crowds out there, and, you know, 80% of it's going to be European, so maybe 85%. So there's going to be a lot of noise out there. Uh, luckily, I would say the U.S., has assembled probably the strongest team I've ever seen for a Ryder Cup. 
uh, these guys that are, you know, playing now so strong can overpower golf courses and, you know, strongest team ever. But also the Europeans, you know, they have some hot players, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, the guys are going to be on their home turf over there. They're going to have already adjusted to the time change of being over there for two weeks versus our guys coming over, you know, and only having maybe four or five days to adjust. So between the home field advantage, the time change advantage, you know, I think it's probably going to be a pretty close match. But I think I think the U.S. will edge them out this year. Donnie, Jim Furyk was certainly right in picking Tiger. It was the right move for him to do it. He's playing so well right now. But Tiger is 13-14-2 all-time in Ryder Cup matches. Now, very good in singles, 4-1-1. One, and one, But in foursomes and four-ball, 9-13-1. Is that a result of Tiger never being a good driver of the golf ball? I mean, other guys aren't as good as recovery shots as he is. So, you know, if he's driving the ball and putting people in harder positions, they, they aren't as good as he is as, you know, recovering and getting back up and down and that sort of thing as Tiger is. Or is it the pressure of being, you know, paired alongside of Tiger? What do you think it is? Why do guys struggle when they're paired with him? Yeah, I think it is a little bit the pressure. Uh, it was always a little different playing with Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. So all of a sudden, you're, even though he, he's your partner, you know, it may be a little more difficult to play your own game because, you know, you're going to be in the marquee uh, grouping. You're going to be playing against the best players on the other side, probably. And uh, there is extra pressure with that. Plus, um, you know, you maybe maybe didn't get a chance to play with Tiger a lot during the year, too. He's always in the you know last couple groups or so. But I think it's I think a lot of it is the pressure. A uh, little bit circumstance, but uh, I always thought that, you know, you give Tiger 10 Ryder Cups or 12 Ryder Cups, he's going to come out with a pretty good winning record by the end. So we'll see if he uh, kind of gets on the good side of it after this year's match. Donnie, beyond golf, one of the things we have in common is our affection for NASA and space exploration. I saw you retweeted today the tweet from SpaceX about their reusable rockets and their spacecraft and Elon Musk announcing their first civilian trip to the moon coming in around 2023. So are you excited? Are you looking forward to the idea that people will be able to travel to and from the moon before too long? I think that's going to be absolutely amazing because Elon's going to have high definition cameras on there too so you'll be able to sit on your big screen and kind of watch the adventure that uh, the japanese billionaire is going to be able to experience along with his but he's i think he's taking eight painters with him to be able right. to paint you know um illustrations just think how much those are going to be worth that's going to be so cool to have original art from a trip where you're flying the bfr around the moon you know, being able to do these kind of paintings and be able to see it on high high definition. So I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see it myself. I got I'll, I'll save you a ticket for the liftoff. We should watch the uh, we should watch the launch where, whenever it is. Yeah, come down to Florida. I will absolutely do that. Please, I yeah, look forward yeah. to that. Okay. Donnie, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can follow you online and over social media as well. Nah, just go to Twitter probably, at Donnie Hammond uh, with I-E on the Donnie. So I like to have some fun on Twitter and keep up, and that's probably the best thing. Uh, if I happen to have a good tournament, I'll, I'll put it up there. So I'll keep you guys up to date with the tour school and some things here toward the end of the year. But uh, still loving golf, still, still at it, and hopefully... Um, 
shoot some good scores here in the next month or so. Well, we're certainly sending good karma your way, Donnie. I hope you play well. I hope you get back out on the Champions Tour next season. Really looking forward to following you and, and watching you continue your success out on the Champions Tour. Well, thanks, Chris. Donnie, take care. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to having you back on the show again real soon. It's always a great time when you're a part of a segment here on Next on the T. Best of luck. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Donnie. Thanks. That is Donnie Hammond. And folks, send good karma his way. We're looking forward to following Donnie and seeing him back out on the Champions Tour. He's one of the great people you get to meet in this life. So send him all the good karma that you can. And we look forward to having Donnie back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Dave Windsor, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors. First, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Parbar. Parbar Golf is focused on better nutrition for better golf. Parbar is a first-of-its-kind energy bar developed specifically for golf based on nutritional science that provides the sustained, even energy that golfers need. Now the company has introduced a unique hydration product, Par Water, that instantly converts water into an electrolyte drink. It only has one gram of sugar. It's all natural. Par Water is a cap that fits on most water bottles. Within the cap is an electrolyte powder. It is simple to use with no mess. Snap it on the mouth of the bottle, press the top of the cap, and shake. The powder instantly dissolves in the water and is now converted into an electrolyte drink that replaces the salt lost when you sweat. Studies by the American Institute of Biotechnology have shown up to a 12% loss in distance and a 90% loss in accuracy with golfers that are even mildly dehydrated. Drink par water before, during, and after your round. It's all natural, tastes great, comes in lemon and mango flavors. You can buy par bars and par water online at parbargolf.com and at many pro shops around the country. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their fall collection has arrived. Now is the perfect opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They make style easy. Find carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options. The Bobby Jones brand delivers excellence as as genuine as the legend himself with their collection of golf performance and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. See it online by going to bobbyjones.com. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Dave Windsor. Dave is a Class A PGA professional and the director of adaptive golf for the Georgia State Golf Association. He is considered one of the country's foremost experts in teaching adaptive golf, assisting those with physical, cognitive, and or sensory impairments to learn to learn to play golf while enhancing the quality of their lives. Dave has been coaching and coordinating multiple adaptive golf clinics on a weekly basis since 2000, introducing or reintroducing the game as a means of therapy and accelerating recovery. Dave founded the Adaptive Golf Academy in 2006, training fellow PGA and LPGA professionals, therapists, and other coaches across the country to become adaptive golf coaches to help make an impact on others in their communities. He is a seven-time PGA Section Award recipient across both North Florida and Georgia PGA sections, including Teacher of the Year and a PGA Patriot Award winner. Dave became the National PGA of America Patriot Award recipient in 2015 for his dedication and personification of patriotism through the game. And I'm very honored he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. 
Dave, as you know, our show goes out over the Armed Forces Radio Network, and you're doing such great work helping our veterans and wounded service members, either getting them into golf for the first time or relearning the game of golf. What made you want to get involved in adaptive golf? Well, it sure didn't take very long. I was just uh, living the dream, uh, you know, first year as a, as a PGA member, as a club professional down in, in Sarasota, Florida, uh, just an hour south of um, the well-known McDill Air Force Base. Um, just had a physical therapist uh, come into the golf shop one day and introduce, um, you know, a, a program that he had um, established in Florida. And that's just bringing out uh, folks from, from different walks of life. Either they were uh, in an accident where they uh, maybe had a, a spine injury, um, you know, loss of limb, uh, brain injury, uh, what we refer to as, uh, say, a TBI. Uh, a lot of stroke survivors were coming through the uh, rehabilitation, and he was uh, just uh, applying the game of golf and uh, all the different skill sets that it brings to light uh, for these folks to get back uh, into the fabric of society. Dave, expand upon that a little bit. Talk about some of the injuries that your students have been able to overcome to either learn or relearn the game of golf. There, there's such a, such a wide spectrum. It's uh, so vast. So, uh, you know, to give you an example of first, uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, if you uh, get, uh, you know, and all of us know someone that, uh, you know, has uh, maybe had a circumstance take place. Uh, but just one interesting fact is, uh, you know, every, uh, every 40 seconds in the United States, uh, someone suffers a stroke. And a lot of stroke survivors are a big part of our program. And uh, then they're sort of through all these different rehabilitation centers. And really there's, you know, it, it's, it's such a pleasure and it's such, a, I guess, a, a breath of fresh air for the therapist to see that they have a program that they can refer they're recovering patients too. That's one, and, and the and the progress from someone that uh, maybe with if we can uh, you know get to a chance to meet them in their early intervention, and uh, and if I if I bring you know just as, as an example the well known Shepherd Center in Atlanta, it is really maybe a week after a catastrophic uh, injury they want them up and moving and working on their balance and, and, and going through range of motion as quickly as possible. And to see someone at that early stage and then be able to have them participate, whether it be weekly, monthly, over the course of months or a couple of years, they are up out of their wheelchairs, um, you know, with initial diagnosis of, hey, uh, you may or may not ever walk again. And to have them out there walking nine holes, uh, playing next to you and, and uh, just, just to see them light up, uh, that is the story to be told, and, and that could be happening more and more across the nation. And Dave, let's expand upon that, because you've been involved with the Shepherd Center Clinic here in town. You've hosted some of the patients at the Charlie Yates Golf Club. Talk about some of the events that you've been involved with in conjunction with the Shepherd Center. Yes, uh, just as a recent of uh, today, uh, down at the Charlie Yates Golf Course, uh, really close to uh, East Lake, where all the activity is happening this week. Uh, what we uh, partner with the Shepherd Center with is for their health and wellness clinics. And so what we do is we provide uh, some trained coaches, um, which I'd like to talk to you about, uh, opportunity for, for folks to, to learn more and become uh, trained volunteers with us. But we bring resources such as trained volunteers that um, – really give a, a good understanding of, of helping someone, whether they're in a, a seated position, a wheelchair, a power chair, maybe they're just 
starting to uh to get into an upright position at that time and uh and then we have some uh, some unique equipment to help some folks so whether it be the the right kind of gloves the right kind of clubs um the um paragolf or golf cart which is a unit that can stand somewhat upright we have the solar rider golf car and so just depends on that person's impairment um we were going to match them up with the right equipment uh and get them the resources to play so that is one way that we're able to uh, help uh and partner with shepherd center therapists and enhance the the skill and uh and really give the resources to community life again after they leave the four walls of the hospital and that's uh you know that's just been one of the most exciting things to partner with groups like that to partner with, say, the, the veteran clinics, to partner with Blaze Sports, to partner with the Center for Visually Impaired. Um, so throughout the year, uh, we'll do some things with Shepherd, and uh, with during inclement weather season, we're inside their gymnasium where we transform half of their gymnasium into a, a, a makeshift golf center from putting, chipping to full swing, uh, just trying to encourage and inspire those um that there is there is life beyond those four walls. And Dave, one of the great things is the level of enthusiasm that I hear in your voice. It's got to fill you with a lot of satisfaction seeing the impact that your program is having. What are some of the you know special moments that have really warmed your heart? Well, we definitely have to have you out. You have to really uh, see this, and you know it's it's just downright contagious. And uh, and it, even between the participants, we may have. Uh, say half a dozen wheelchair golfers coming out to our clinic and we might have just a couple of our of our single rider carts available and you know one of our volunteers might ask all right who's next and they're all going to point to the person next to them hey you know joe needs to go oh it's marcus's turn and so they're always encouraging each other they always want to see the next person uh, really succeed and you know just some of the one of the moments you know, out of all that is, is to, to shake hands with, with a blind golfer, whether it be a junior or, um, an adult who may or may not have ever played golf before, you know, before their, uh, an injury and, uh, just to walk them through the steps and allow them to feel the golf club, the sensory of the grip, uh, the, the, the weight of the club head, uh, understanding, you know, the squareness or getting that club face to be square. And, uh, and to and be on the right track and help guide that person through, uh, and giving them step by step. And then to, to get the ball right where that swing is consistently going through. And, uh, you know, just to watch them and you can hear it. You know, those of us that play, you know, you can hear that they peered it. They get the feel of it too. And to watch it go and to, to be their eyes, uh, to watch them perform. That is, that is extremely gratifying. I don't know and Dave, and Dave, how much you're up. aware of the listeners, but blind golf has been in existence for uh, for over 75 years, and they just celebrated the 73rd United States Blind Golf Championship outside of Nashville last month. Wow, that's awesome. And Dave, to take that one step further, what about stories you've heard from participants or their families regarding the impact your program is having on their quality of life? Because beyond the golf course, I got to imagine that this is instilling a level of confidence in them, even when they're not playing golf. Absolutely. Um, you know, the biggest thing is is a change in, in mindset and the outlook. And, um, you know, there really isn't anything stronger than the sense of hope 
and to, to provide someone that again, um, whether it be through um, self performance, uh, you know, for proving it to themselves, being around a new uh, that social environment again. But if you know, if any of us have, have had and known someone that has, um, you know, maybe gone through a little little change of identity, more or less, you know, physically, you know, mentally, you know, sensory impairments, you know, that 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 can really, you know, put that person, your family member, into a, a pretty dark place of depression. Uh, that anxiety sets in, and you know, a lot of times they will retract, and they'll they'll just, you know, try to avoid society, and to be able to break them out of their shell in order to get them around an environment like we uh, feel like we create the testimonials from spouses, um, from their kin. Uh, you know, it can, it, it, you just don't know how much, you know, this activity of being around the game of golf can, can really impact someone's life. And it, uh, you know, it could just be a simple outing, uh, to get them out. And it's just, uh, it just breaks them out of there. It's just a full embodiment of mental toughness, and it just helps the you know those blocks for that individual. Dave, how many rehab facilities are there around the state of Georgia and really across the country that have programs like the one you've put together? Hey, thanks for asking that question. With uh, you know being uh, the currently the only state golf association that has encompassed a uh, an adaptive golf program, here we are in the. In the great state of Georgia, it's the Georgia State Golf Association that uh, three years ago had, um, you know, vowed to create the model here in Georgia through all of its uh, cities and partnering with those rehabs. So here in Atlanta, you know, everyone from, say, the, the Shepherd Center, the VA, uh, from, say, Northside Hospital, the groups from Emory, um, you know, I'm probably missing a few here and there, um, could be the chiropractic clinics. Um, you know, any of those, there isn't anyone that, uh, that really wouldn't align with. Uh, down in Augusta, we have a program up bi-monthly as well, every first and, and third Wednesday. And of course, they have two VAs down there, and it's the, uh, it's the whole, um, say regional, uh, spinal cord, uh, treatment, uh, facility down there, uh, as well as Doctors Hospital, again, for civilians, so a lot of stroke survivors are there, uh, all the way down to Savannah. Where we're every first um, Saturday of the month for those on the military network. That's at the Hunter Army Golf Course every first Saturday. Uh, and then recently we launched uh, Valdosta uh, in conjunction with uh, some of our ties with Moody Air Force Base. And right there you have the South Georgia Medical Center. Uh, so it really goes on uh, wherever these these locations. And uh, we definitely want to partner with those. So if there's Anyone linked in with physical therapists, occupational therapists, um, definitely, uh, you know, they could help be, um, you know, the fire starter for, for a new program in, in their community. To that end, Dave, are there other facilities reaching out to you to try to start something similar in their areas? Absolutely. Um, although, you know, we're the most unique because we're, um, you know, we're powered by a state golf association. Um, there are others, uh, I mean, almost every state is going to have some linkage of adaptive golf. Um, referring just to the south of us in Florida, um, the program that I was involved with, that has uh, sustained a weekly program down in Sarasota, Florida. Um, then up the road in Tampa, they're celebrating 11 years in conjunction with, uh, with the Tampa Veterans Hospital. And that's been a weekly program following on the 11th year um, and two Fridays. There's been some, you know, extensions to that with, um, you know, say Tarpon Springs and around the Tampa area. 
Um, you know, Orlando has a group. There's um, one resource where you can find many of these um, in one place, and that is our United States Adaptive Golf Alliance. And that is the USAGA.org. And that lists over 30 organizations under this umbrella that we're all working together as one voice. We all have a, a common theme of, of enhancing lives through the game of golf. Uh, some focus on military, like our uh, my friend uh, Steve Greiner uh, up in the D.C. area, former uh, golf professional at Fort Belvoir, and he has links to freedom, so he's very active all around uh, the D.C. area, uh, all the way up here to New England. You know, Bob Beach, uh, another, and both of these guys are fellow PGA professionals and, and National Patriot Award recipients, and, uh, you know, they're doing their thing in their community, and the list could go on. So, Dave, for our listeners who need help or, or there's a family member who knows somebody who needs help or has a friend who needs help, how can they get in touch with you and follow you either online or over social media? You know, we're, we're very fortunate to have um, a gentleman with us. And, you know, he, he contacted me the, the week that I moved to Georgia in 2015. And um, he not only uh, here is a, is a Georgia resident who is, um, you know, hands-on with our volunteer base and, you know, a big part of our recruitment, but is probably the most well-versed and in tune with where there's a program and where we can get people linked in, whether it be military base, whether it be civilian, uh, junior to adult. Um, and he is our outreach leader for both the Georgia State Golf Association as well as United States Adaptive Golf Alliance. And so if you, um, the best way is to just to seek our GSGA website. And that's right here, our home at Georgia State Golf Association. And uh, we're really trying to, to be the, the rock, the foundation for, for others to begin. And on that homepage of gsj.org, just simply scroll down to the bottom, you'll see the Adaptive Golf Program. There's a short video to give a little overview and lead you to the page where you can find um, Mr. Bob Thibodeau and myself, David Windsor. Um, emails are there, phone numbers, and we'd be, we'd be more than happy to to help someone find a location. And Dave, for the folks that want to get involved and want to volunteer, how can they get in touch with you so that they can find out more information and do get involved? Yeah, they can definitely uh, get in touch with us the same way. Our next uh, coach training uh, program is a workshop, and it's a seven-hour program. It takes Paul indoors, do a lot of PowerPoint, a lot of video, um, a lot of uh, thinking outside the box. And then we do some self-adaptation. Uh, so a coach, a volunteer, uh, you know, we may have them experiment hitting some balls from a seated position, one-handed. Uh, we have a prosthetic um, leg uh, prop and uh, where, you know, they get a little self-adaptation. They get a little feel for, uh, you know, uh, some of those uh, so swing skills and balance, test of balance. And it really just gives them more confidence, a comfort level. So when they do meet someone, um, you know, they're, they're going to just be more comfortable and, and getting on the same page with them and help them enhance their lives. So they can also reach um, and ask that inquiry through our website. Well, Dave, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come and be a part of the show and share all of this information with us. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime because this work is absolutely outstanding. Please come back, update us, and let us know how things are going. Really enjoyed having you as part of the show tonight. Well, it's my pleasure, and I really, really um, appreciate that opportunity to, to put that word out there. 
being involved in the adaptive golf arena for uh, for 20 years now, uh, you know, you just happen to meet, you know, the greatest people. Uh, you see their comeback stories, and we're uh, we're always just encouraging others to uh, to pick up a golf club and and um, start writing their next chapter in recovery. So, really appreciate it. Absolutely, Dave. Thank you again for your time tonight. I hope you'll come back and join us again soon. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. Thank you so much. That is David Windsor. And again, check out all the great things that they're doing online at usaga.org and gsga.org. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again go out to Ted Purdy, Donnie Hammond, and David Windsor for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, and share your feedback there. Give us a like. That's very important to us, too. Plus, if you've got a question for one of our future guests, let me know. I'll be glad to get it on the show for you. Check out our site, nextonthetea.net. There you're going to see some of our future guests, our guest schedule right there. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazeri. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Blog Talk Radio. And that show, like this one, also available as a free podcast over on Podbean and on iHeartRadio. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days, plus insights into what's going on around the league today. We also highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. Like this one, and this one is on NextOnTheT.net. From there, we link back to our page over on Podbean so you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free by going to Podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app. That way you can take us with you everywhere you go. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game.